The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoop on Nets podcast. We are back. And by we, I mean both of us because I am pretty sure the last two episodes you have heard have come from me individually and hunter individually but we are back together sitting in my college dorm about to record another episode and uh it's good to be back we each had to take a week away to do some personal stuff but like i said we're back so let's get into everything a lot of a lot has happened since the last time that both of us recorded um their CEO stepped down after just like two months. David Levy, rest in peace uh, to your time as CEO. And uh, yeah, let's get into the intro. So without further ado, make sure you subscribe to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you listen to your podcast. Search up Brooklyn Nets and our podcast will pop up. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're on iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review because all reviews are getting read on the podcast. It takes like 20 seconds for you, but it does us a lot of good. So make sure you go do that. You can follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. Make sure y'all shoot us some tweets, some questions, comments, concerns, any single thing you have to say about the Nets. We want to hear it. We love interacting with y'all. And, uh... Shout out to Hawaiian House Kona Coffee Company. This podcast, like all of our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, the aforementioned Hawaiian House Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianhouse.com on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian House Kona Coffee Company or on Twitter at H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee. That's High Kona Coffee. So, boom. We have three games that the Nets have participated in. Since the last time that my good man Hunter has recorded. The first of those being the Nets versus the Trailblazers. I was in fact in Applebee's watching this game. (laughs) And as I see Damian Lillard, 20, 25, 30, 35. Oh, but it doesn't stop there. (laughs) 45, 50, 55. And finally ding, ding, get ding. To 60. 60 points for Damian Lillard. And uh, the Nets still won. Somehow, the Nets still won. Fun fact, the last time in history that two 50-point scorers lost on the same day was when George Gervin had 63 and David Thompson had 73, and they both lost. Ironically enough, that other 50-point scorer happened to be the old Brooklyn net himself, D'Angelo Russell, dropped, what, 52? Yes, sir. Yeah, he dropped 52 when the Warriors somehow still lost because they are absolute garbage. (laughs) And uh, he's their best player. Um, So let's get into the matchup. Question, who are you taking? 
the Bobcats. I don't oh, remember know, what oh, iteration you know the of Bob the Bobcats. Cats. Oh, you okay. know the Bobcats. Yes, what iteration of the Bobcats, though? Fresh Kemba Walker, Douglas Roberts, Gerald <laughs> Henderson Bobcats. Okay. Or this Warriors. Who's better? Do I get Dre? I get Draymond. Uh, you barely get Draymond. He going he gonna to play 20 games. I'm going to take the Warriors just because I think that the Bobcats don't have a prolific scorer like D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, I'd take the Warriors too. I'd take the Warriors too, exactly. But, but this is the worst team we've seen since then. They are awful. I mean, yeah, they're pretty bad. But considering they've had absolutely horrible luck this season with injuries, what can you expect? Back to the game versus the Trailblazers. So the Nets' biggest lead was 10. And uh, they ended up winning by 3. No, 4. They ended up winning by 4. They shot 41.4% from the field. Um, 43.2% from the three-point line and 70% from the free-throw line. The Blazers actually shot 96%. They shot a blistering 96%. A red-hot 96%. (laughs) 24 of 25. From the free-throw line. 36.7% from three and 41.2% from the field. Um, The Nets did two things well that they usually don't. Well, I mean free throw shooting solid, 21 out of 30. They could do better, but that's you'll take it. Good enough. Yeah. Uh they won the turnover battle 9 to 10. They won. But even just keeping it at 9 turnovers is good. Yes. And they out-rebounded the Blazers 51-48. Fun fact, adding DeAndre Jordan has had them as third in the league in rebounding. Yeah, I mean, having uh that's what DeAndre Jordan does. That should be outside of being a tutor and mentor. And big bro to Jared Allen. That should be his role in this team. Also, fun fact, uh, DeAndre Jordan didn't play in this game. Yeah, DJ didn't play because he had a sprained ankle, so, which makes the Nets out-rebounding the Blazers all the more impressive because they didn't have him. So, we can start with the box score, break it down a little bit. Start with Portland. Uh, Damian Lillard, uh, 60. All right. All right. So, it's, it's three players on the Blazers. Three. Uh, Damian Lillard, 60 points, 19 of 33 shooting, 7 triples, knocked down all 15 from the line to go with 4 rebounds, 5 assists. Next up was, believe it or not, not CJ McCollum. He went 4 of 19 and had 8 points. He has been Antarctica cold. Yeah, he's been bad. Stuff him in the freezer cold. <laughs> he's been bad. Uh, he's, he's shooting like... Low 30s. He's had an awful season. I feel like CJ usually starts out slow, though, and then picks up around, let's say, December, going into January or February. Once he hits the All-Star break, I feel like he's in peak CJ McCollum form. He's he's had a few good games that, like, has saved his overall stats on the season, but there's also been a good amount of games where you see 4 of 19, 8 of 21, numbers like that. Had he just put up 20 points... The Blazers probably would have won this game. But, unfortunately, well, fortunately for the Nets, uh, he only had eight points. Anthony Simons. Anthony? I know, I always mess his name up. Anthony Simons. Excuse me, Anthony, if you're listening. Um, he had played 35 minutes, 15 points, 5 of 14 from the field, four rebounds, two assists, not a single turnover. He played pretty well. He's a really, really raw prospect. So for him to put up 15 shows that the Nets either play really bad defense or he's coming along pretty nicely. Um, I mean, he has progressed. Probably a sense. combination of both. Um, Hassan Whiteside, 
He put up 10 and 15 on 4 of 10 shooting. Uh, sometimes I forget they have Hassan Whiteside. What, is your, what are your thoughts on Whiteside? I mean, I feel like he was a good pickup for the Blazers simply because they don't have to rush Joseph Nurchik back now. And everyone knows he's their franchise center. He's their franchise big man. Unfortunately, he went down with a... Didn't he go down against the Nets? Yes. He went down against the Nets last season, late last season. And so I feel like it was a good pickup for them to serve as a, a, pl- a fill-in while he recovers from his injury. Yeah, Rodney Hood only played six minutes... Didn't put up much in those six minutes. Had one rebound. He left the game with back spasms. Which Which opened the door for Nasir Little's NBA debut. Eight points on three of five shooting. Three rebounds and a block. And outside of that, no one on the Blazers really did much else. It was basically Dane putting up 60, Anthony putting up 15, Hassan putting up 10, and no other Blazer had in double digits, including C.J. McCollum. And Fernie was the guy that kept them from a hundred percent from the free throw line, by the way, as he went three of four from the line. But regardless, the Blazers were short probably because CJ McCollum's inefficient shooting and Rodney Hood's injury. On to the Nets, uh, old reliable Big Joe Harris played 30 minutes, 14 points, five of 12 from the field. Two of four from three, five rebounds, and one assist. Good, nice little game there from Joe Harris. Torian Prince, our breakout pick, only played 21 minutes, had three points. Five fouls, that's why he was limited. And he was one of six from the field. Those three points came up. One three-pointer on three attempts. Jared Allen, with no DeAndre Jordan, he played 35 minutes. Scored 12 points, nine rebounds. And five blocks. Which is... Probably the best thing that Jared Allen does. That's his best skill is blocking the crap out of the ball, sending it. And since DeAndre Jordan was not there, Nick Claxton got 12 minutes, 8 Our points. Our guy, Nick Claxton. 8 points, 3 of 5 shooting, 6 rebounds. I have high hopes for Nick Claxton, Nicholas Claxton. I think he can be a, a big-time guy for the Nets. Probably not this season, but in the next 2 or 3 seasons to come. This win is really owed to Dinwiddie and Kyrie. The fact that Dame almost outscored them combined is insane. Dame had 60. McCollum had 8. So those two had 68. But Kyrie and Dinwiddie had 67. Ooh! Kyrie, 33 on 12 of 27 shooting. Not the most efficient night, but he got his stats. And Dinwiddie, beautiful performance. 34 points, 11 of 18 shooting, 6 of 10 from deep, 6 of 7 from the line, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, and a huge team high, plus 22. No one is even close to that mark. Yeah, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving kept them in the game all night long. I'd say more so Dinwiddie. Kyrie had more volume. He took 9 more shots to get 1 less point. Yeah, it wasn't Kyrie's most efficient game. And uh, Kavis LeVert, our guy, we have bad news about him later. But in this one, 29 minutes, 7 points on 2 of 13 shooting to go along with 9 rebounds and 5 assists. So, yes, the uh, Nets handled the Trailblazers and they picked up their, what, fourth win of the season. Now, the next two games we're going to talk about are uh, not very happy games. Not much goodness uh, occurred for the Nets in these so, we're going to move on to their game against the Phoenix Suns. Where they got destroyed. 
absolutely obliterated. Yeah, the score in this one, the Nets lost 112 to Right from the jump, they got outscored 37-30 in the first, then 31-20 in the second, then 38-30 in the third for them to tie the fourth quarter after getting blown out the first three. Biggest lead was one. The amount of times they led was one. The Suns' biggest lead, 30. Yeah, and once again, we got back to uh, the Nets' old ways of turning the ball over. 17 turnovers compared to the Suns' 7. They out-rebounded them by 1, 43-42 rebounds. They shot 48.4% from the field, 23.5% from 3, which is atrocious. And it's like they do one thing well, but regress on the other end. Okay. They shot 94.1% from the free throw line, so that's amazing, obviously. And their third problem will never get solved. They let Lillard score 60, right? They come back. Rubio and Booker have 49 on 20 of 30 shooting. 67%. I mean, yeah, Kyrie is not... I don't know what what people expect. Rubio had 22 and 12. With a plus 37. Yeah, n- no guard on the Nets outside of David and Waba, who did play 16 minutes in this one, but it was a blowout, so let's consider that. Can actually play good perimeter defense. Not a single one of them. And we all knew that coming into the season, but we just hoped that things would work out. And unfortunately, right now, they're just not. So... We can start with the Phoenix Suns. Like Hunter just said, 27 out of Devin Booker, he missed four shots. 22 out of Ricky Rubio, he missed six shots. He also put up 12 assists. Devin Booker put up nine assists. Ricky Rubio didn't have a single turnover. Those two combined had exceptional games. And they had a Devin Booker at a plus 40. Yeah, I mean, the Nets allowed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players for the Suns to score in double digits. Those other five were Kelly Oubre with 18 points, Dario Sarge with 12, Aaron Baines put up 14, uh, Tyler Johnson put up 14. And Cameron Johnson had 15 points, six rebounds, two blocks on six of 10 shooting. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't the Nets' best defensive showing, probably their worst defensive showing of the year. They got blown out. Yes, the Suns are playing well. But they got blown out by a Suns team that does not have their number one overall pick, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, that's true. There's there's no there's no defending this one. The Nets are a good team. I mean, the Suns are a good team, but the Nets also should be a good team. So if we can beat teams like the Rockets, we should be able to beat the Suns. It's that that's how it works. On to the Brooklyn. Kyrie only played 25 minutes. Like I said, this was a blowout, so the minutes were slightly skewed. He only played 25 minutes, 15 points, 7 of 16 from the field. Uh, 1 of 6 from 3, 5 assists. Karras, 8 points, 26 minutes, 4 of 10. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, 18 points, 6 of 16 shooting. And DeAndre Jordan put up 16 and 12 in his revenge game, his game back. Not a revenge game because he, he was never on the Suns, but in his first game back from his ankle sprain. And uh, Jared Allen only played 11 minutes to DeAndre Jordan's 24. He had five fouls and four turnovers. So, yeah, there's not much to say when it comes to this game. It was it was an embarrassment. The Nets were uh, outplayed, outclassed, outshot. They 
just didn't play well in this one, point blank, period. And before we move on, let me just uh, plug a little HoopBall uh, thing. Something, something we got in the works at HoopBall, something new. It's called the Bruise Letter. A little wordplay, Aaron Brewski newsletter. We have a very special announcement. Our founder, the great Aaron Brewski, has decided to write an email newsletter for the 2019-2020 season. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not only on the website. It's not in any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in the email newsletter. And you can sign up to get it for free. Absolutely free. Just go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter and sign up in 10 seconds. Literally, it takes 10 seconds. I signed up for the news, the bruise letter. All you have to do is write your email, press submit, and you're, you'll be getting it the next time it's released. The site is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Aaron Brewski, straight to your inbox every week. Enjoy. So let's move on to the Nets' final game. Their most recent game, that is. They lost 119-114 to the Jazz. And another game where... They should have won this one. They, at one point, led by 15 points and blew the lead. They led by 15 in the first half. The Jazz slowly ate away at the lead in the second half until they finally took the lead. The Nets shot 45.6% from the field. Another bad shooting performance from the Nets, but they, in some way, outshot the Jazz from three. The Jazz shot 23.1% from three. They went 6 of 26. The Nets shot 29.7%, 11 of 37. See, but the Nets lose the turnover battle by turning the ball over 16 times. Compared to the Jazz, 11. But they did manage to shoot 84% from the free throw line. The foul battle is also something that the Nets are having a problem with. In this game, they committed 29 personal fouls to the Jazz, 18. Yeah, and the Jazz attempted 10 more free throws in them. Another thing that really screwed the Nets tonight was they got out-rebounded by the Jazz by three from 46 rebounds for the Jazz, it's, 43 it's for Rudy the Nets. Gobert. It's understandable, but the fact that they had a 15-point lead and blew it, that's the problem. Let's start with the Nets this time. So um, the Nets were without Karis LeVert. And they're going to be without him for much, much longer, which we'll get to in a second. Kyrie, 10 of 30 from the field, 27 points, 21 for Spencer Dinwiddie, 7 of 16 from the field. DeAndre Jordan put up 15 and 17. He looked like a monster. Yes, he had he two had steals, his best two blocks. Game of the season. He looked like an absolute monster. He played 30 minutes compared to Jared Allen, 17. And Kenny Atkinson was going with the hot hand at center, which he's probably like most likely to do for the m- r- remainder of the season. Joe Harris, 11 points, 4 of 10 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. And Torian Prince had a solid game, 33 minutes, 15 points on 6 of 9, shooting with 6 rebounds. Now, personally, I think down the stretch, a lot, a lot, a lot of hero ball was being played by Kyrie Irving. A lot of iso basketball, not a lot of passing. A lot of Kyrie just basically saying, hey, we going to win. And the only way we going to win is me winning and not the team. And that didn't work out this game. Down the stretch... I was watching the fourth quarter of this game. Kyrie Irving was getting fried by Emmanuel Moutier, who had 15 points on 4 of 8 shooting, 7 of 8 from the line. Between Moutier and Jeff Green, who sparked their fourth quarter run, the two of them had 28 points. So, 
Jeff Green, he just had a good shooting night from three. Not going to do that all the time. But for Kyrie to get fried by Emmanuel Moutier when it matters, to get blocked by John Morant when it matters, to miss the open mid-range jumper against the Timberwolves when it matters. Okay, don't say that one. That one is a reach. For someone who's the most clutch point guard, quote-unquote, in basketball. The most clutch point guard in basketball is Damian. Now it is, after he lost the title. I don't. I don't think it's fair to to say the Timberwolves one was a choke. Okay, okay, you could you could say that, but yes, he's hit big shots. He hit a big shot against the Knicks. He hit a big shot in this game too, but then gets fried by Emmanuel Mudiay. There's just a lot of it's going to be me whether we win or lose. When they win, he looks great. When they lose, no one says anything because, oh, he's still at 30 points and 8 assists. And I feel like that's what comes with... That's the burden that he needs to be okay with taking on. When when we do win, we're going to praise him. But when we do lose, he's going to have to take that, that, that backlash that comes with it. And that's an issue that he had with the Celtics. He thought no one else could do anything. It was always on him. But that's the way he plays. He was out, they get to the conference finals. He plays, they don't. Okay, you are biased because he scorned he, you. There's no doubt <laughs> there's no doubt he's a great player. But unless he embraces their culture and starts playing Nets basketball instead of playing Kyrie's basketball, it's not gonna get them anywhere. I still think it's too early to just say the Nets are bad. They're not bad. I'm not saying they're bad, but especially now with Karras out, if he just plays Kyrie's basketball, he's going to have 35-40 a night. But are they going to win? That's yet to be seen. Um, In this game, uh, Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Jordan actually matched, basically. Rudy Gobert had 18-15, and 15, which shows how good of a game DeAndre Jordan really had because Rudy Gobert is a defensive player of the year, an all-star candidate most years. So for DeAndre Jordan to match that is really great. Donovan Mitchell put up 30 points, 13 of 26 shooting. Regular Donovan Mitchell stat line. And then in 30 minutes, Mike Conley put up 18 on 6 of 15 shooting. The Nets did manage to hold Joe Ingles to all of 6. Didn't make a single shot. All of his points came off of free throws. So that's good. They probably would have won had they been able to hold Emmanuel Moody and Jeff Green to those same kind of performances. And with that... Oh, also, DeAndre Jordan dunked on Tony Bradley. I mean, who is Tony Bradley? Yeah, just it's just a fun fact. <laughs> he dunked on Tony Bradley, and he stood on his back until Tony Bradley moved. <laughs> so, let's get to the big news of the day. So, Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert will miss several weeks. With feared ligament damage in his thumb, he missed his game versus the Jazz. He had x-rays, the severity of his injury. Everybody was hoping that he was fine. It was just a little precautionary missed game. Turns out, he actually messed his finger up pretty bad. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be out. I don't think the Nets know exactly how long he's going to be out yet, but this is obviously going to have a profound impact on the way that the Nets are going to play basketball while he is missing. I think even if there is no ligament damage that he'll probably be out about two weeks. 
to recover from it. Eh, maybe maybe a week if there's no ligament damage. But if there is, we could be looking at a three to four week absence, maybe longer. So to compensate for losing a guard, the Nets picked up a guard. They picked up Iman Shumpert. And uh, they were able to do this because they have a 16th roster spot until Wilson Chandler returns from his 25-game suspension. And uh, since the Nets are, what, 4-6, and they've played 10 games. He only has 15 games left until he can return to playing Nets basketball. We all know Iman Shumpert. Do you think this was the right pickup? I mean, when you look at the rest of the guards on the market, who else is there, really? Jamal Crawford? J.R. Smith? Why do you need a guard? I mean, because you lost a guard, is what I would say. What, you think they should pick up Melo? I am hard on the Melo train. But based off of what? His his shoot-arounds and an open gym? Like, okay, who who cares? Tony Bradley could do that. (laughs) I do think that this the signing of Shumper is a shot in the dark to try and hopefully fix their lacking perimeter defense. But which, if that was the case, why not play work. David and Waba more? Like when you really look at it, what's the difference between Iman Shumper and David and Waba? I mean, now it's that Shumper has much more experience. I mean, yeah, he's played in bigger moments, but when you think about it, as players, they're they're meant to they're they're meant to do the same thing on the court. Lock up. So, I don't know why you would sign Iman Shumpert when you already have David and Waba, or why you wouldn't just play da- make more of an emphasis to playing David and Waba more minutes. I personally do like the signing. I just need some type of explanation. Because I would have just played David and Waba more minutes, in which case I wouldn't be mad with signing Melo. The only thing is, he'd be on like a 15-game trial period because once Wilson Chandler comes back, the Nets have to make a decision. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I would I would have signed Melo, and the person that would be cut upon those fifteen games is so obviously Henry Ellenson, who is a useless roster spot to me. And I still think that's possible. I mean, I, I don't see him getting cut, and I also don't think the Nets want to be super overloaded at guard, which they might be. If they would have dropped Henry Ellenson. But I just want to know. I just I want to see Iman Shumpert in action. Because we, have, we haven't seen him since his time with the Kings. Back in like last April. So I want to see him play NBA basketball. There was a reason why he wasn't signed. And I want to see if he can make pe- prove people wrong. Now, what is the Nets lineup going to look like without Karis LeVert? And we got a glimpse of that in this Utah Jazz game. They ended up starting Kyrie Irving, Garrett Temple, Joe Harris, Torian Prince, and Jared Allen. So really all they did was plug Gary Garrett Temple in for Karis LeVert. Do you think that Shumpert will start? Would I start him over Garrett Temple? Honestly, yes. I would. I would. I would start him over Garrett. The Temple. way this perimeter defense is lacking, I think they need Shumpert's aggressiveness. Yes, Garrett Temple is also a solid defensive player, but I think Shumpert could just give them a change of scenery, and keeping Temple off the bench will benefit them. I think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens if Iman Shumpert starts to make a big impact for the team, and then 
15 games is up and Wilson Chandler's back, what happens? Do you just let Iman Shepard go? They're not going to give up on Wilson Chandler. They paid him money. I don't. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens if Iman Shumpert has finds success in Brooklyn. And you know us, faithful to the brand, we got to shout out one last member of our Hoopball family. That is Hoopball's Mike Pasador. And he has, like all of us, watched the Knicks rotations with absolute horror. In his latest article, Mike dives into the key reasons Frank Needlekina should become a fixture in the starting five. Check out all of our team coverage articles by clicking on the team coverage link at hoopball.com. And if you're somebody that's looking to break into the industry from a journalistic standpoint, you're not going to get many chances like this to join a growing platform and get a foot in the door. Let us know by shooting an email to teamhoopball at gmail.com. Me and Hunter can personally attest to Hoopball as a great site to get your journalistic bearings and get some some experience and uh, something to put on your resume and get that under your belt. Now, Hunter wanted to ask me a question, so go ahead and shoot, buddy. If you had to pick three deadline targets as of right now for the Nets, who are you picking? You can't just ask me something like that on the spot. Um, I don't know if I can come up with three off the top of my head. Given maybe 20 minutes, I definitely could. But off the top of my head, my biggest need for the Nets would definitely be a stretch four. Because playing Torian Prince at the four, it's not going it's, it's to... It's not the answer. It's just not. I guess you would call him a stretch four. But a, a like an actual power forward, not a small forward that's been converted to power forward, an actual power forward that can shoot the ball. And I'm going to go ahead and shoot for the stars and go with Kevin Love. It's crazy because the Cavs are actually the seven seed and the Nets are the nine seed right now, even though they have the same record. But I think when uh, things even out, the Nets are going to end up being much better than the Cavs. The Cavs are going to sink their way right back down into somewhere between 12 and 15. And I think that Kevin Love's going to be available at the trade deadline like he is every single season. I don't know what it's going to take for the Nets to get him. The only players I'd say are untouchable would be uh, Karis, Kyrie, KD, obviously. And, you know, sometimes I forget that they have KD. I forget that they have KD a lot, but Karis, KD, Kyrie, and Dinwiddie, I'd say, would be untouchable. No. I, I want to keep Dinwiddie. He, so do I. But I, He provides a major no, role no, for so the Nets. So do I, but I don't think the Nets consider him untouchable. I mean, I said who I consider untouchable. Oh, then yeah, I, I consider him untouchable. Too. I think I you lose Dinwiddie and you lose a big part of your culture. You lose a big part of your bench, too. Because then you probably have to move Joe Harris because who's going off the bench? That's why I hate that trade of Dinwiddie and Joe Harris for Aaron Gordon. I do not want Aaron Gordon by any means. He is a chuck. We do not need another one of those. He takes like 30 shots a game. He's he's not a good three-point shooter. He Aaron Gordon stayed far away from the Nets. So since you wanted to ask me, give me three players that you would want in the trade deadline. Who I want and who I think they're going to get is two different things. Okay, who do you think? No, who do you want? Blake Griffin, for one. So a stretch four. Kevin Love, obviously. That's an obvious one. Stretch four. And, 
You see, since you're saying people that I want, personally, I believe that a bench piece that could be cheaper to acquire would be Matisse Thibel of the Philadelphia 76ers. Why Matisse Thibel? Matisse Thibel puts up crazy defensive stats, and I mean it's not just defensive stats. He is a bona fide lockup defensive player. He is very raw on offense, has little to no offensive capabilities. But for a team that is top of the league in offense really right now, I believe they need someone that plays no offense, personally. I mean, a defensive specialist would definitely help the Nets. Um, Moving away from that, one person that I would like them to at least inquire about belongs to the Clippers right now, Landry Shamit. I think he's very underrated. He's a knockdown shooter. I think that would be nice to come off the bench and pair with Dinwiddie. That would be pretty fire, to be completely honest. They would be a great bench backcourt tandem. He's playing a lot of minutes right now because Paul George isn't back with the Clippers, but he'll be making his debut tomorrow, which is Thursday, which is probably when you're hearing this podcast. So his minutes will slowly decrease, and maybe by the trade deadline, he will be getting somewhere around 15 to 12 minutes per game, and the Nets can poach him away. From the Clippers, just like they poached him away from the Sixers. And with that, that is going to do it for this episode. What about your game? What game? Random. Oh, okay. So, uh, yes, my game, random letter name player, is going to be today, we're going to go with W. W? Mm-hmm. Oh, Willie Hernan Gomez. Boom. I only thought of W because I saw Michael Carter-Williams on the TV. But with that, there we go. Now we're going to end the episode. Make sure you subscribe to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are available, so make sure you subscribe. Leave a five-star rating and review. All reviews are getting read on the podcast. Takes 20 seconds for you, but does us a world of greatness. So make sure you leave that for us. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNet, and you can follow us individually. I'm at Adams underscore. Hunter is at Hunter underscore JKR. Our links to our Twitters are in the description of the podcast. Just go down there, click the links, and uh, check us out. Tweet at us. Let us know what you think of the pod. Any questions you have about the Nets, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to answer your questions. And, uh, yeah, without further ado, we'll see you all next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.